Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Beer Talk Live, the uncensored Free Talk Live after show. Learn more at beard.freetalklive.com. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Beard Talk Live, who the fuck is this? It's Major Payne. Major? Uh, I, I have to say major fucking pain because I can now. We're on mm. Beard Talk Live, and it's uncensored, unlike... You know, when I'm on the radio, uh, we are on the radio. Any of us on Free Talk Live, it's not, it's not quite free, mm. right? We will get kicked off radio shows if, if you hear the words, those magic words that we can't fucking say. So I want to say I'm here <laughs> because we can, we can, and it's important to say them. When you are restricted from saying a thing, it's very, very important that you go ahead and start saying that fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shit, piss, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Oh, man, you missed one. And tits is such a friendly word. There's cheese, tits, corn, tits, tater tits. Who doesn't love tits? Sounds like a snack. (laughs) Or it's like your buddy, hey, did you hear what happened to tits? (laughs) Yeah, he's in the joint now. (laughs) Now, tits you can do. Yeah, yeah, but so, you better not be actually referring to tits when you talk about teats. Like it's all dumb because like no one can show me any evidence that words like other than emo- like butthurt, right? Like you said something mean, <laughs> right? Like mm. I get how like somebody can say something mean and it might hurt you. I get that, right? But like words have never caused you any physical harm, right? Or anybody else, right? There's not a child on planet Earth that ever heard the word fuck and that was the turning point in their life. They were otherwise going to be a perfect angel, but no, they heard the word fuck at some point in their life and now they're an evil, heinous criminal who should die and rot in hell. No, that's, that's well, not how life works. All you gotta do is rattle somebody's cage hard enough and you got a fucking assault charge on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I felt like he was about to become violent is is like, yeah. Dude, if I you don't teach threatened. kids cuss words, they will make their own. Like, it's literally part of our biology. What the heck do you mean, Peakless? Right. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. Uh, my favorite is the uh, the Battlestar Galactica-isms, right? Frack. Yeah. Right? That's their substitute. I like, like that Okay, one. that kind of works, right? I like that It's one. not the same word, clearly, but yet you could use it any fracking where you wanted to, mm-hmm. right? So I get that. I've used that on the Free Talk Live a number of times, but... I've always used fork. Yeah. Who the fork do you think you are? The fork's going exactly. on, mother forker. Mortar forker, yes. Hand me that fork and knife. Yeah. Did you call about something else, Major, or were you just calling well, to say hello? You guys were talking about the uh, the World Wide Web earlier, which I always we like to call the inner tube. <laughs> it's a but, series um, of inner tubes. <laughs> yeah. Well, back in the day, they used to fill an inner tube with, like, uh, powdered sulfur. So when it exploded, you got this burst of poisonous gas that would come into your face. And that's what the fucking inner tube's full of. Hmm. Poisonous gas. Huh. So it kind of fits. But anyway, one of you guys brought up Apple. Mm-hmm. And that sparked a thought in my head that I'd heard on just a news blip about real quick, maybe two, three weeks ago. So like an all Apple fell on your head? No, the Chinese government has banned all their workers and employees from using Apple products. Because <laughs> they make them? 18, about 18% <laughs> of Apple, Apple's market share is fucking china well they are the world's second largest economy not only that 
They manufacture most of their shit there. That, okay. Yep. So why but, would they? But China, China must have smelled something funny on these damn Apple products where they, if they don't want their own people using them. Not necessarily. Well, so why do you think they banned them, Major? What do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, this this whole inner tube realm is beyond my logical thought process. Like I said, I was taught to do real math, not new math. Well, I mean, if I could wave a magic wand and automatically compete with uh, Microsoft or with Google, I would. And they have a magic wand called the state. And people have this magical thought that the rules don't apply to the state because it's for the good of the people. And therefore, they are making an enormous amount of money off of the fact that they call this product Apple when it's not Apple. All right, Major. Sorry about that. We had a technical thing we had to suss out. You had your testicles you had to put down? Yep. That's what I said. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Comes so rarely. They're, they're down now, so it's good. You know. Down, boys. Not too far, but, you know, far enough. Well, as long as it ain't barking. Ellen Barkin? What? That's an old broad. Who's barking? Ellen. What's barking? Ellen was barking. Ellen barking. That's right. I, I know Ellen degenerate. I don't know about <laughs> Ellen barking. Yeah, not the, not the same Ellen. No. Not at all. Yeah, one of the, uh, uh, one of the things that they're going to use to... Uh, make all of this work is AIs. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're yes. uh, working so hard to uh, to keep the AIs out of the hands of civilians because the same technology is equally good at finding ways around their ways of categorizing and predicting us. Yeah. Uh, well, the government's the one that wants to keep control of the AI, but you right. got to keep in mind that the government here in the United States is the one that invented the Internet. Just so they could send shit back and forth between fucking Congress and the White House, they didn't know what to do with the monkey they built. Well, I think they saw. I, no, I think they saw very clearly that if they did not release a version of an internet, that the people were going to discover it. And if the people discovered right. it, then the kind of people that were likely to discover it were going to do things like end-to-end encrypt things at the base layer. Which is one thing, like, as much as I love Noster, I, I do think that at some point it's going to have to be replaced by something that is encrypted at the base layer. Something that is, uh, like, at the very bottom of it is uh, is uh, not only pseudonymous, but anonymous. Something that has a privacy technology built at the very bottom of the thing. Yeah. The... Well, they'll fight that tooth and nail. Oh, they, they oh. don't have a choice in that. And that's the thing. Like, the the pendulum of technology has swung in the other direction. It has, up until this point, been favoring the censorship of communication. And now they distributed the distractions so widely that they've empowered us. And now we have the ability to completely replace them with what's in our pockets. So they've described, you know, like what what sort of brought them to this point, right? Uh, they've described the problems, if you will, and how this might might help. Part two, an open solution, an open source solution. MOSIP offers digital ID solution that any country can adapt and use. 
The success of Adhar in India triggered a surge of interest in digital ID technologies around the world. By 2018, more than 60 countries were trying to develop such a system, including every country in sub-Saharan Africa. But countries could not simply copy and use Adhar or other national digital ID systems like those in Estonia and Singapore. Singapore, that's right. Because yeah, those systems... wild countries where they can't find all their cattle in the brush. Right. Uh, so they simply couldn't copy those from other countries because those systems were owned by the governments that developed them. They instead turned to commercial vendors making costly investments that yielded frustrating results because the system suffered from vendor lock-in. Commercial vendor software was proprietary, which means governments could not customize it without tying themselves financially and functionally to a given vendor. Countries ran the risk of having to start from scratch when their needs evolved beyond a vendor's capabilities, such as when they needed to reach specific populations or connect to a different government system to disperse welfare payments. When MOSIP launched in 2018, it offered governments an alternative. MOSIP is a digital public good, whatever the fuck that means, which means that everything about the technology is open. All of the code and documentation is publicly available. Anyone is free to use the software and build on top of it. The use of open standards means that other systems can easily plug into MOSIP. Uh, Who hosts it? That's, you know, the question I have. Uh, MOSIP alone does not do it all for the system to be fully functional. Governments also need biometric device vendors, deduplication software providers, card or credential printing machines, and system integrators, all of which require additional investment. If a digital ID system is a car, MOSIP is the engine, and these ancillary systems are the wheels, seats, steering, and lights. MOSIP also made the ID credential a digitally signed QR code so it could be verified offline, a feature that is now standard in the system. In Africa, where almost two-thirds of people still use feature phones, the MOSIP engineers had to figure out how to enable authentication despite the limited functionality of the devices. They also sped up pilot testing, which initially took so long that governments would sometimes change over before they finished. Hmm. <laughs> So they learned to move faster than government, which, like, I mean, to be honest, that's pretty fucking slow. Mm. If your software isn't moving faster than government, you're doing it wrong, I think. <laughs> faster than the speed of government. Oh, so well, you, you mean slightly in the opposite direction? Yeah. yeah, I guess. What's that, Major? I said perhaps you have government software. <laughs> I I don't, hopefully. Uh, the government's, you know, of course, got you know ways to spy on everybody these days. But uh, well, this whole this whole thing stinks of the new world order and the global agenda. Well, what? I mean, no. But <laughs> I mean, you say, and if well, it's successful, I mean, look, they're going to be able to say, well, look, we've increased the uh, people herd of sheeple by thirty percent. Look how much more we can fleece now. Mm. Well, the price that, of yes. wool just went down. Right. So like when crypto, when Bitcoin first came out, like a lot of people were, were talking about the, I don't remember the number, the 800 million or billion. I don't remember how many people it is, but the a whole bunch of people are unbanked. Right. And that like cryptocurrency offered them, you know, the ability to be banked now, even though they they don't have traditional infrastructure like the Westerners do. Because it's all digital, right? It, it exists. You can do it on paper. You can, you know, do it across. You can you can do a telegram 
right? Transmitting information and do a Bitcoin transaction over a wire or a, you know, a, a ham radio or something like that, right? It's possible to transact with cryptocurrency outside of the internet. It takes a while longer and it's a cumbersome process depending on which one you choose, but it's possible, mm-hmm. right? So, the uh, In Africa, where almost two-thirds of the people use feature phones, the most engineers had to figure out how to enable authentication despite the limited functionality of devices. So multiple device, different types of phones, OSs. They also sped up pilot testing, which initially took so long. We already covered that. The team retooled the model to shrink the pilot period from 18 months down to three months to make the pilot implementation more affordable for countries most have supplied biometric devices and other elements of the pilot so countries only had to spend a few thousand dollars. Within four months of the successful trial in Togo, four other countries signed up to run pilots. <laughs> so they were like, okay, we'll just give you a bunch of hardware if you sign up for this pilot. That way it'll only cost you a few thousand dollars, right? Most governments are like, a few thousand dollars, okay, whatever, it's fine. Right, that's pocket change to a government, right? But they had to supply all of the hardware. Now, why would anyone build such a platform Hmm. that governments can subscribe to for free, right? Uh, And then, you know, buy the bells and whistles from the approved vendors where... uh, they would give them the hardware, right? I mean, there's no re- there's no benefit there, right? Like, where, follow the money. Like, where does that make sense from a business perspective? Well, if you look at the way Amazon came into existence, mm-hmm. it's uh, or f- for that matter, the way that Uber came into existence, you have this massive upfront cost so that you can corner the market. Once you've cornered the market, then you make the market profitable. So Amazon, for example, they are still shipping out products. That's not their actual job. Right, right. That's not what makes them any money. That loses them to this day a tremendous yeah. amount of yeah. money. No, they started as an online however, bookstore. but no. However, they are also the cloud computing center of the fucking planet, That's which what makes, makes them, them the not only rich, but insanely powerful. So yeah, if you put if you put this massive upfront cost, but what you're cornering is like the ability to print all the money. They uh, to maximize inclusivity, the team gave people several options for sharing their biometric data, including stop me if you've heard this. No, don't stop me because you have heard this. Scans of their fingerprints, iris. Or face. This was helpful in places like Ethiopia, where few people had ever had their fingerprints scanned. One day, an elderly man at a registration center talked excitedly about how his new ID would enable him to access services without having to cut or give a cut to a middleman. I think compressing government into the digital domain may possibly help us i'm not saying that i want this vision that we've described here tonight to occur but let's say it does happen right what good can come of that well it could show us that it's easy to compress all of the functions of government into the digital domain 
And since that's true, we should be able to use the digital domain to be able to, you know, refine it, refine it, refine it, and figure out where it's useless and where it's not, where all the fat is and where everything's going and blah, blah, blah. And it should result in a less expensive tyranny, Mm. right? At a minimum, right? That'll be the first benefit. Uh, The second benefit will be that now whatever the products and services it claims to provide to humanity can be evaluated uh, in an open way, right? Right. If the platform is open source, that means the platform provider can just be like, here's what it looks like, everybody, right? One day, right? That's totally possible. There are no, like, you know, it's still a monolith. It's not a decentralized open source uh, piece of work, right? So it's got to run on something uh, and it's got to be updated and, you know, maintained and all that kind of stuff, just like traditional software platforms. So uh, it's got that going for it, which is nice for them. Not for you. It it this is just one of the most creepy things. Um, it does remind me of the idea of the network state. If you've not heard of this, uh, that's okay. It's the newest version of an idea uh, that was out some time ago called Bit Nation, and this was the idea that uh, all government services could be uh, translated to uh, a menu on the blockchain, right? And you could be like, well. I need some fire protection. I'm in this neighborhood now. And, uh, you know, there was a fire the other day, so I'm going to buy some of that. Uh, you know, I need this kind of car, and you know, whatever, right? Whatever, you know, I want to subscribe to the parks in my neighborhood, right? That kind of a thing. And you got to determine the amount of money you wanted to spend and how much and when and all that kind of thing, or to spend money on things that had no value to you at all. Uh, I have no kids, so I give nothing to the school system, Right. Uh, you know, because I don't have any kids, right? I don't want to pay for that, you know? And if I do, I'll make a donation to a school of my choice after I've evaluated the school and decided, yes, this is the one that gets my money. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to give it willy-nilly somebody else right. deciding how to spend my money. Right. And so, like, it's possible for this to exist. It's possible for this to be built in parallel with the coming government compression, right, as the financial collapse continues to occur mm-hmm. right yeah and honestly what blows my fucking mind about this all of these things that everyone's so convinced are completely uh irreplaceable about government are can literally be condensed into a handful of lines of fucking code right and performed right smart contracts if this then that right yeah. if this happens then that happens you right know, spit out something at the end yeah like can, can we pick a handful of uh, uh, good what they call oracles, which is just like, uh, are there some sources of information that we can kind of agree upon? Okay, great. Since we already have to fucking do that anyway. Right. Right. So since we can obviously agree on some sources of information for some things some of the time, then all of those things, we can just have a contract that executes itself. Yeah, all of this shit can be done in the snap of a finger. Yep. Who will build the roads? The goddamn algorithm. Yep. Of course. You uh, you have a kid tomorrow, right? Uh, your wife gives birth, and uh, you, you have a kid tomorrow, uh, and you want to leave your kid, uh, you know, I don't know, a Bitcoin or something like that for his 18th birthday, right? You've put some money away. You've got yourself a Bitcoin, one whole Bitcoin, and you're like, you know what? I want my kid to get that Bitcoin on his 18th birthday. Well, you can do that with a smart contract. You can lock up that Bitcoin. 
Uh, you could have some sort of, you know, uh, way to prove that, you know, he is who he is and that kind of thing outside of the system outlined here in Bill Gates' fucking vision. Uh, you know, a, a key of something, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then, you know, when he's 18, on his 18th birthday, you can program it, bam, right? Yeah. Now your kid's got a Bitcoin, right? And it happens automatically. Nobody needs to maintain it. Nobody needs to hold that amount of money in an actual vault somewhere. No physical things. You know, n- nobody can charge you a monthly fee for that, right? If they do, you're dumb. Right? There's no need to pay a monthly fee for that service. But nonetheless, that service exists. And so everything that government does when they shuffle around money uh, it, it can be automated, and once it's automated, it's going to become abundantly clear to a whole lot more fucking people uh, that the output of government does not justify the input. It's fascinating to me mm. how uh, something like this uh, can be written, and like you know that some marketing person went over this, you know, with a fine tooth comb. I saw a couple of things that I would have changed grammatically if I had edited or put this together. Uh, but it was pretty good as far as things you read on the internet go, as far as, uh, you know, all of that is concerned, how it's formatted, right? Paragraphs, periods, commas, all that stuff, spot on. Um, but, like, you could tell somebody in marketing had their hand in this because of all the fluff and, like, the, mm. the heartstring tugging, right? You know, oh, he was such a poor old man waiting for his ID, wondering if he would ever get one. It sounds like, oh, and then there she sat eating the porridge, right? You know, like yeah. it's got that, I don't know, man. It just, it feels fake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, all of these foundations function exactly the same way. Like their whole bread and butter is convincing you that they are a charity. Now, what they actually are is these terrifying world controlling organizations but they keep convincing everyone, no, no, these poor, poor people, they need us to own them. This sounds a lot like, um, no, I don't want to say, oh, do you remember when they came out with these things for the kid? Maybe you're, you, you're probably old enough. You remember a day before they, didn't, but they didn't exist at one point. These little vests that they put on like toddlers mm. and it's got like a, a zip tie. They It like uh, retracts. Mm-hmm. It's like having your kid on a leash that'll only go so far before the kid has to stop. But it's a vest. So it's not like strangling them like you would with like a choke chain on a dog or something like that. But basically, yeah, it's a leash for your kid. Do you remember before that time? Like mm-hmm. there used to be a time where those didn't exist. And then one day they existed and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. What horrible parents you have to be to put your kid on a leash. Dude, I love those things. Take, well, okay, so I learned to love them as well, but also I don't have any kids. So I was glad yeah, look, other people's kids were on them. But like, also, if look, I had kids, I would never put until, my kid on a leash. No, so fuck that, man. Up until a certain point, uh, humans are animals. Like, no, that's literally what is happening in our brains. We are going through the stages of evolution. Sure. Now, we managed to go through all of the, like, salamander shit while yeah. we're still gestating. We're barely but, not apes. Right. And that's the thing, especially when we haven't, like, developed the outer parts of our brain. And since they haven't developed the outer parts of their brain, yeah, it makes total sense to me to put kids on leashes if they're going to be out and about where they can fuck things up, including themselves. Just like a puppy. Like, you don't take a puppy out where they're going to, you know, get themselves killed yeah, but, or to chew up something that really needs to not get chewed up. Yeah, but with a dog, you likely never, ever, like, stop using the leash. 
Right, and that's the difference. So a human being develops the ability to control themselves. While on a leash. Well. yippee motherfucker. Come on, little Timmy. I mean. You're on a leash. It is also possible to train a dog to the point that they don't need a leash. I mean, like, playpen? Now, unfortunately, a lot more people think they can do that than can. I mean, I guess a playpen is kind of a, a little prison. Yeah, it's a kennel. It I mean, is, with toys in it. Yeah. All right. Maybe yeah. a bottle, right? Some nourishment. Some it's a kennel. You, for yeah. when you get the cotton mouth. You throw a chew toy in a kennel. That's <laughs> It's a child kennel. What? It's what it is. Really we are is. going through the stages of evolution, and you go through the mammalian stage of evolution, then you start going through the ape stage of evolution... And yeah, some of that, it's probably darn useful. I mean, uh, you remember uh, um, Oshkosh Bagosh? I do. Right? That's the a brand. fantastic little set of handles right there. Just but, grab, them by the, uh, grab them by the overalls. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 The overall with the, yep, the grabbing handles. Yeah. 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 And at an age, that is extremely appropriate. I have seen uh, uh, both the, the front pack and the backpack that you put the kid in mm. right and sometimes on occasion you'll see some brave soul with both at the same time mm. one in the front one in the back mm. right maybe they had their kids you know a year apart or two years apart and they're still small or maybe uh they agreed to take care of like somebody else's kid the same <laughs> age so they try and make a friend or something like that right mm. every now and again you'll see somebody wearing a kid on the front kid on the back maybe at like the zoo Right, places like that is where you're likely to see that stuff. I've seen Makes me one feel sorry for the kid that on I can the back. remember. So I, I've seen at least one, right? Where And I was like, huh, I've never seen more than one before. <laughs> and, and then I did. I mean, I appreciate the weight balancing, but I really feel sorry for the kid on the back. Well, and they were like not, they were both faced the same way. Oh, I see, on the shoulders, so, you mean. Yeah, well, it was or... in a backpack, but like the kid's head stood, oh, was okay. above the, the, the adult's head enough that he could see around or whatever. And then the one in front uh, was turned around facing front as well. So whatever the mom's body was pointed at, you know, also was what they were looking at, right? And they so had the their Krang and the Master Blaster. Yeah, all three heads were pointed in the same direction, which made it creepy. <laughs> here is truly a three-headed monster yeah. right you yeah. know but uh they were having a good time and smiling a bunch and the kids were like ah look at the thing ah look at some you know whatever <laughs> right and so it was a joyous moment at least mm. when i saw it but i have that snapshot saved in my head from i don't know decades ago right when i saw you know somebody carrying both mm. one in the front one in the rear and as i promised i wanted to talk about something that i can only call the AIRS, um, you all, the listeners, and I'm sure even Peakless Mountaineers familiar with uh, the acronym IRS, the government agency that has or claims that they are part of that particular acronym. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> imagine if uh, AI was determining who should and shouldn't be audited. Because that's about to happen. Do I have to, Captain? What? Do I have to imagine it? No. Before we talk about this, though, I let's, was hoping I'd have to imagine it because it didn't exist. Let's let's correct a thing that we didn't do in the first 
half of the yeah, show. First and foremost, fuck, fuck the, the FCC. FCC. That's right. Uh, and then also, shit, shit piss, piss, fuck, fuck cunt, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Uh, just to get those out of the way. Uh, we exist because fuck the FCC. Uh, and claim to own the air, mm. right? And and now uh, that and the we've, FAA too, by the way. Now that we've <laughs> uh, claimed our right to speak, fuck the IRS. Yeah, uh, if you uh, just to uh, put the all the words together, it spells theirs. That's that's how they operate. It's theirs. Everything's theirs. No, you haven't paid. It's it's theirs. Yep, they're gonna take it. Mm-hmm. Here they come. They are the proverbial. It's it's theirs. The IRS. We will allow you to exist. In this place where we could kill you, but you will give us whatever we ask. And uh, we'll call it asking. Tax enforcement crackdown using AI is the headline. The Internal Revenue Service has announced that thanks to a new funding boost, it's launching a sweeping historic tax enforcement initiative using artificial intelligence and other cutting edge technologies to catch tax evaders more effectively. There is a sea change taking place at the IRS in every aspect of our operations, said the IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel, which notes that the tax agency has completed a top-to-bottom review of its enforcement efforts and is girding to catch people, quote, abusing the nation's tax laws, unquote, thanks in part to cutting-edge tech. So uh, there's way more to this, but, like, here's another case of... uh. Software company designing something specifically for government use, mm. right? That's their cash cow. Like, you know, software has reached such a state of specialization that there are now software companies that specialize in developing software for governments. <laughs> yep. Like, that's a double-edged sword, man. I don't, like, I, I, I can go... <laughs> horribly wrong or incredibly well. I'm not really sure which. Well, it's fire, man. We just are inventing new forms of fire left and right. And (laughs) pouring a bunch of gas on the IRS. Well, I mean, we keep inventing these things that are powerful and power can be used for good or ill. Yeah, this is more like the IRS getting, uh, what do you call it, Um, when the cars go fast, the nitrous. Yeah. You know, right, the the street street racers, you know, the race car guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a sea of change taking place at the IRS on every level. We we talked about that. Uh, the changes will be driven with the help of improved technology as well as artificial intelligence that will help IRS compliance teams better detect tax cheating, identity emergency compliance threats, and improve case selection. Uh, tools to avoid burdening taxpayers with needless no-change audits, Werfel said. So apparently, uh, within the IRS currently, there's a problem called no-change audits, where like needless no-change, needless audits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a problem, needless no-change audits, right? Well, if they're needless, don't do them. Just stop them. Right. Right. There's there was no need for it. What a fine. Orwellian way of saying, because with Orwell, it was always about the doublespeak. Yeah. You know? What a fine Orwellian way of saying, yeah, we totally fucked up your life, and it was 
I mean, we didn't actually need you to do anything. I, I don't. We're just, you know, because we could. I don't pretend to know what a needless no change audit might be. I, I assume it means that somebody was audited and then audited again and their status was fine both times is what I'm guessing happened. And that apparently is a problem in the IRS for, for there to be no status change, at least mm. what I'm led to believe by reading these words in front of me here. Uh, <laughs> identity emerging compliance threats. Yeah. Needless, no change audits. You're right. The new enforcement thrust is said to focus on higher earning Americans and big corporations, comma, with the IRS pledging not to increase audit rates for people earning less than $400,000 per year. So don't worry, common man. If you earn less than $400,000 per year, which I'm assuming is most people. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure that $400,000 a year will be worth exactly as much as it is now forever. Uh, yeah, yeah, that won't be true. Oh, wait, no, no. Uh, it'll only go up by 2% ever. That's also not true. <laughs> it's not based on the last, I don't know, four years or so, man. Holy fuck. Uh, so this has been an oft-repeated promise in the face of Republican assertions that working-class taxpayers would be subjected to tougher enforcement thanks to the tens of billion dollars in additional IRS funding. As part of the new enforcement crackdown, the tax agency said that it would prioritize cases involving taxpayers earning over $1 million, but with recognized tax debt of more than $250,000. You are monitored in so many ways. There's cameras everywhere, more than there has ever been. Uh, the former uh, USSR, Soviet Union, uh, they would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys have all this. You right. must be gods, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because of the amount of that kind of shit that exists now. Um, so uh, apparently yeah, it's a, a double-edged sword, man. It's the eye of Sauron at the same time that it's liberating us. The agency, I believe they're talking about the IRS, also said in the plan that it expects its technology-driven enforcement to boost tax collections and revenue for government programs. Because, you know, they're printing it, but yet they still need to collect more from you. The plan is now fast becoming a reality, according to Mr. Werfel's latest remarks on September 8th. The nation relies on the IRS to collect funding for every critical government mission. From keeping our skies safe, our food safe, and our homeland safe. That's a quote from Mr. Werfel. It's critical that the agency addresses fundamental gaps in tax compliance that have grown during the last decade, he added. According to IRS estimates, taxpayers in America pay around 85% of the total taxes they owe, with the difference between what is owed and what is paid known as the tax gap. Or some would say your mom. Huh? Hmm. Joke. Huh? I make joke. Between the years 2014 and 2016, the IRS estimated that the annual tax gap was around $496 billion. Treasury said in a note on the IRS strategic operating plan that a lack of modern digital tools had negatively impacted the various aspects of the IRS operations that the agency would see its technology continue to be improved in the years to come in part to help enforce more tax laws. Beside expanding the high income and large partnership compliance, other key elements of the IRS new enforcement initiative include prioritizing digital assets, 
uh, something called FBAR, Foreign Bank and Financial Accounts, Violation and Labor Brokers. As part of the enforcement push, the IRS is expanding its digital assets compliance campaign, targeting taxpayers involved in digital currency transactions. The move comes in the wake of last month's release of proposed regulations regarding broker reporting for digital assets. Quote, we need to make sure digital assets are not used to hide taxable income, and the proposed regulations are designed to provide a clear line of sight into activities by high-income people as well as others using them, Mr. Werfel said. The IRS said Friday that initial reviewers of taxpayer compliance in the digital currency sector have raised concerns with a potential non-compliance rate as high as 75% amongst taxpayers they identified through record production from digital currency exchanges. So they've already got records from a bunch of digital currency exchanges. They've looked at the records, and they believe that 75% of the people involved in uh, digital currency uh, are non-compliant with taxes. Hmm. Imagine that. So they just want to be sure that, you know, people aren't, you know, they're pointing at their palms, <laughs> you know, like, where's my cut, bitches? All right, right fine. This- $600 billion to get an AI that is going to tell us what the fuck is going on on these blockchains. This is really, I mean, like, this is government going, my cut, bitches, pay, pay, you got to pay the Don. Mm. Right, the IRS is is the he's the, you know Bruno with the bat gonna take your kneecaps out if you don't pay, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's why they're so desperate to get a CBDC is because they know how that can work. They have no idea if they can manage to monitor this technology. They are actively offering a reward for figuring out a way to track through uh, Monero's privacy feature. Accordingly, the agency is looking to increase the number of digital asset cases it develops for compliance work going forward. Also, the IRS is turning its attention toward FBAR violations, whatever that is, especially among high-income taxpayers. Uh, Under current regulations, U.S. individuals with a financial interest in foreign financial accounts exceeding $10,000 must file an FBAR to disclose their holdings and related taxes. Uh, that's uh, foreign bank and financial accounts. So it doesn't make an acronym at all. Uh, I know. Okay. Uh, recent IRS analysis of multi-year filing patterns has identified hundreds of potential FBAR non-filers, many of whom maintain account, ab- account balances averaging over $1.4 million. You know how we have this, you know, really fucked up trade union thing going on now where it's basically just another government program, just like the corporations? Well, there was a time where they were voluntary. And voluntary unions were such a fucking danger that they had to be put down with Pinkertons. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to hire mm, fucking mercenaries right, yeah. to beat the shit out of you, shoot the right people, like, war. On the people within. Yep. So yeah, I don't. I, I do know that they can wage war on New Hampshire, and I know what that looks like. Yeah. And there's an easy way to do this. It's slower. 
but it's more profitable. I mean, I am like w- the most anti-war person. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some, you know, I, I say that and just I feel strongly about being anti-war. It's the it's the basis of why I came to voluntarism, you know, consensualism, whatever you want to call it, individualism, mm-hmm. uh, anarchism, voluntarism, you know, whatever ism you want to throw at it. Like just being a peaceful person is my number one priority. I will defend myself, of course, but I want to do everything through consent uh, and peaceable means cooperatively. Right. And uh, I am forced uh, by many ways uh, to violate my own personal philosophy against my will. Right. Uh, and so if I can correct that in some way, then I think humankind will benefit from it. You know, if we can point people towards that as sort of the basis of how to live your life, right? Start there. Start with peaceable, voluntary interaction with your fellow humans. You know, um, it works, man. Yeah. And for fuck's sake. Even a maniac like Skeeter should at least recognize that we deserve a shot at it. I mean, fuck, we've tried all of these other insane things. How about we try something sane for once? And I'm like, oh, no, we just need to try communism bigger. We just need more of it. And then we will bring about the utopia. Or no, we just need to do this particular one theology, uh, fucking putting people to death at will, bigger worldwide like now actually we just need this little corner over here where you just leave a few of us the fuck alone most of the time well i mean yes that's a good start but i also think that that should sort of just be the default (laughs) right i think that like wouldn't that be lovely like everybody's born anarchist and atheist until people start lying to them (laughs) well you not exactly atheist. You, uh, non-theist? Possibly agnostic? Uh, skeptic. Ag- agnostic, even? Everyone's born sort of uh, skeptical and logical. Either way, uh, you you either get imprinted with a religion, thanks to your parents, or you choose one, thanks to, you know, choice, right? Self. What do you call it? What do you call it when you choose stuff for yourself? Uh, whatever. Anyway, there's a word for it. I can't find it. Oh, a heretic. Uh, no, no, no. When you uh, free will. Free will. That's the phrase I was looking for. Not a word. Anyway, so uh, that's how you get to religion. But how do you get to statism? Well, it's the the lottery of birth, right? It's just like wherever you happen, whatever plot of land you happen to be uh, born on, whatever government exists, you are forced to take. You don't get a choice. They don't ask for your consent. They didn't ask me. They ask you. Did they ask for your consent? Ladies and gentlemen, did they ask for yours? Did you ever sign a thing? Did they ever come to you and present to you uh, the idea of government? And then go, if you just sign here, we can just get everything started for you, okay? No, they never did that. Ask yourself why. It's almost like it was one of those ideas that you need to force on people. So I am anti-war because people, like, you shouldn't be taking, I don't want my... Life's effort, my money, if you will, to be taken and put toward murdering other people. I am a conscientious objector to taxation because of that. I should, I, none of my life effort, I wish to go to murdering other people. None. I want 0% of my life's effort. And that's not possible because they're taking it from me. 
So I don't pay taxes. They take taxes, right? That's how it works. Yeah. Right? The beginning of wisdom is to call things by their proper terms. That's not given. Given is a beautiful thing. Like when you choose to give of what's yours, what is taken is an ugly thing. Man, if you had to like, you know, write a check every month uh, for the amount of tax that you actually pay, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, what you make on your paycheck, but, you know, whatever you get, you know, there's a bunch of tax taken out of that. And then you go and you buy stuff all week long or two weeks, however long it is between times you get paid. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you repeat the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to write a check for the amount of tax for all of that at the end of every month, you'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. This is fucking dumb. I shouldn't have to pay any of this. So. Uh, yeah, and that's the, the part that's going to be absolutely unavoidably obvious is the difference in service that we're going to receive when everything moves to the 80% instead of the 20% on this 80-20 rule. Because it's really just that fucking simple. When you add choice to the equation, it flips the Matthew principle on its head. That's how it works. Because decentralizing the decision means you're adding the power of a network. And a computer network is always going to be more powerful than a computer. Yeah. Duh. I saw something about I didn't I don't have another article or anything. I saw something about uh uh robot police in a I don't know, a subway or a, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they have these they look like do you remember Weebles? Yeah. Weebles wobble, they don't fall down. It's this yeah. big like almost egg looking thing. Uh-huh. It kinda looks like a cartoon of a fat cop. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> You know, but, it, you know, there it is nonetheless. And it's got, it's painted in like police oh. colors. It's got like a little badge where its shoulder, you know, would be if it were the height of a man. You know what I mean? So it's kind of wearing like a shirt kind of a thing. And it's creepy as fuck, man. I don't want robot police. I was thinking that earlier when they were describing uh, the, the Bill Gates uh, technology, right? Uh, the system of, of tracking of human, registering human beings. That he proposes all governments uh, are free to to use it. It's, it's open source. Feel free, governments use Bill Gates' fucking software platform uh, to uh, you know enslave the rest of humanity. I guess. Uh, but they were talking about how even in remote areas, off grid areas, they had a QR code uh, that they could. Uh, you know, like take somebody's photo, take their information down, you know, give them an ID card, generate a QR code so that later on when they got back on grid, uh, they could officially register the human. Like, I don't even register like, uh, you know, I bought a toaster, right? And they got like the thing you mail in, register the warranty. I never fucking mail that in, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm like, the toaster's like 20 bucks, man, if it goes out. And like, you know, I don't eat toast that often. I probably need one in my lifetime, right? So I got one, you know? So here's one thing that gets me about that uh, article. How are they estimating the people that they don't see? Like, okay, if these people have no, like, paper trail, (laughs) how do you fucking know they're there? And more importantly, how do you know that there's not a shit ton more of them? Yeah. I mean... I was thinking that the... uh... The QR code off-grid, uh, on-grid thing was akin to Lightning Network in in a way, right? Like, they have similar properties. 
right? Like, if you're making a payment on the Lightning Network, you're literally using a sidechain, something off to the side of the blockchain. Right? A thing is recorded, and then, you know, once it goes on chain, you know, whenever it steps back into civilization out of the forest or whatever, it's, if it's off-grid, right. then it conducts the transaction. That's mm-hmm. that's the idea behind it. Um, and so that's what it reminded me of, and I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, like, they're literally making enslavement software. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what this feels like to me. Yeah. Like, here are the, this is uh, the, uh, not Orwell, what's the other game? Hmm? The Brave, oh, uh, Brave New World? Yeah. Uh, Soma and all that, that shit. Was that Aldous Huxley? Huxley, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it feels like that to me, where like, you know, here's some open source software that yeah. any government can subscribe yeah. to. <laughs> well, it's, uh, they steal the real and sell the simulation. You know, what we use to actually deal with each other is human relationships, including looking you, like looking at your face and recognizing you by your face. Yeah. Well, they're stealing that. They're not letting you see each other. They're not, they're literally telling you you're not allowed to look at each other's faces. Yeah. So they're stealing the real and selling you this simulation. Oh, you will be in this community. Well, wait a second. I don't know one motherfucker there. Maybe that's not a community. Well, no, no. It's your community. See, we put the word community on it. You will you will use these faces and interact with these numbers. Yeah, I... Won't it be convenient? I, and that's exactly it. It's sales techniques. It is. Yeah. Like, your enslavement will not only be uh, uh, cheered into place... It will be sold to you. You will, you will, mm, yeah. You will think it's a good thing as you accept it, because you can't see through it. That's the level of indoctrination most people have. I think most people, you know, eighty twenty rule, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's literally eighty and twenty. I mean, there's variation on both of those, but I mean. The people that got the jab is a pretty good indicator for what the numbers are on it. Yeah, sadly. I mean, it's a a, a pretty uh, statistically significant sample, I would say. I'm still irked by the idea of the robot cop in the subway. I I don't like that. Uh, well, so <sighs> way too many shits can go wrong, you know. When we reach the point that we can make those easily enough for them to become a problem, we will also have ways of making things that foil them. Would uh, I be equally creeped out if it was just a, a robot that said security instead of, like it was private security instead of, you know, police? Would I still be freaked out? Probably. I just don't, like, I don't like, you know, robots trying to like, hey, buddy, right? Like mm. Trying to, you know, chump you up, get in your way. Hmm. Right, cock blocking, whatever it is they're trying to do. Hmm. You know. Well, and so that's the thing. There's really no telling what uh, the free market will give us to uh, interact seamlessly with security. I think too many people mistake uh, the organization calling themselves government for uh, an organization of charity, and and it is not. It is an anti-human organization. In almost every way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, people are always going to be like, well, the little old ladies on their social security check. You know, it's like, there's enough money through the sale of whatever assets the government currently claims uh, yeah. to cover all of that. So it's, you know, till, you know, whoever joins it today, you know, gets off of it, right? Just stop it, of course. But like, yeah. there's enough money there for that to be all handled. Just need some, oh, administrative people. Weird. Yeah. Where will we find those? Yeah. And, and the funny thing is like, none of the hows actually matter. Right. Because, okay, yes, we all recognize that there needs to be a transition if we're going to do something else. So, yeah, we'll make sure that everything gets taken care of. Yeah. But what you're not seeing is that there's this unbelievable uh, just wellspring of wealth that is about to make the, the method of making sure everyone gets what they need completely irrelevant. Because we're we're not worried about will you get enough calories today when we're discussing do I get the rye or the sourdough? It's really just that simple. And right now we have we have been so effective at creating that even with the Matthew principle uh, against us, we have basically ended world hunger. Yeah. Imagine what we can do when we flip it. When the majority, the 80%, goes toward what we actually love yeah. instead of what we fear. It'd be nice chasing voluntary things. Yeah. For for you know voluntary motivations, right? Instead of like, oh, my God, you know, if I don't do this, I might, you know, I'll be late on my taxes or what the fuck yeah. ever, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you often ask why you always end up with two options of certain things. The duopoly. And I I think part of the the truth that is reflected in that lie, because those are always the best lies, is that there is a a fundamental choice of do you pay attention to the part of you that is afraid? Or do you pay attention to the part of you that loves something? Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, We are out of time. Uh, thank you, Peakless. Thank you thank to you our callers and, of course, all of our listeners. 